Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. So I'm curious, how many of you, uh, when you're traveling and you, you drive by a brown road sign like this, uh, historical marker ahead, have an urge to pull off and check it out and see what it's for. Any of you? Hey, there are a few of you. I thought I might be all alone here as an odd one in the bunch today. Um, I am curious to know what happened at spots like that, even if it has nothing to do with me at all. Probably many of you uh, don't feel that way about them. And uh, you find reading those uh, historical markers about as boring as watching paint dry. And I, and I guess that's okay if you want to be that way. Um, uh, it's your loss, you know. But uh, what if it's something significant connected to you? What, what if, for instance, that spot marks where your grandfather homesteaded when he came to America and, and his coming here uh, changed the course of history for generations to come in your family? then it's a little more interesting, isn't it? Or, or what if uh, you were also told that, that uh, any of his descendants that would stop there and would read that history would then also receive a valuable gift? Now you're starting to get more interested, aren't you? Well, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 11 last week, and, and we're going to continue on in, in that chapter today. Uh, and, and again, this, the setting here is after the children of Israel were freed from slavery in Egypt and God had rescued them from Pharaoh's army there at the Red Sea and after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and just before then God allowed them to enter into the promised land and God had Moses then declare again to the people the Ten Commandments and remind them to listen to them and follow them and not forget them as they settled in the promised land. And so I invite you to look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 11. And uh, would you stand in reverence to God's word, if you're able, today, um, beginning with verse 18. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens remain above the earth. For if you are careful to keep all this commandment which I am commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in all his ways and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all of these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. And every place on which the sole of your feet tread shall be yours, and your border will be from the wilderness to Lebanon, and from the river, the river Euphrates, as far as the western sea. No man will be able to stand before you. The Lord your God will lay the dread of you and the fear of you on all the land on which you set foot, as he has spoken to you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. 
The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I'm commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I'm commanding you today, by following other gods which you have not known. And it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it, that you shall place a blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not across the Jordan, west of the way toward the sunset in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah opposite Gilgal, beside the oaks of Morah? For you are about to cross the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall possess it and live in it. And you shall be careful to do all the statutes and judgments which I am setting before you today. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage of scripture and, and I pray that you'd help us to understand the setting in which you spoke. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder even from last week that uh, you have all things in your hands, including the rain and the wind. And, and Lord, we thank you for the answers to prayer for us as we so much needed that rain. And Lord, even as we meditate on that passage, are we reminded to search our hearts and, and, and to uh, draw close to you and to seek you each day. Help us that we would do that, Lord. And as we look on in this passage today, we pray again that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that you would um, help me to speak clearly uh, your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last Sunday... In the first 17 verses there in Deuteronomy 11, God's people were reminded of our motivations for our life of service to God. And, and there we were told always to remember God's word and remember him, remember his attributes, what he's like, and what he's done, his saving actions. And then let those things help us to be motivated then to live in a relationship with him, regularly also then comparing uh, the results of listening to God and obeying him versus being deceived and turning away from him. And, and why was it we were told those things? Well, it's because God knows us and he knows that we humans tend to forget just who he is, what he has said, and what he's done for us. And, and we tend to lose our motivation and to live our lives in a relationship with him. And we, and we easily get deceived and distracted from him. And that can lead to some very tragic consequences. And, and God knows that. And so out of love for his people, then he gives us what I'm going to call today some daily reminders and some historical markers. But before we look at those things today in this text, let me just explain an important spiritual reality for all of us who are Christians here today. And, and that is that we have two identities. Uh, Jean Vies says it this way. We have two identities and the conflict between them shapes our daily life. We are simultaneously saint and sinner. You see, because of our trust in Jesus Christ, who is the sinless Son of God, and that sacrificial death on the cross for us, we then become clothed in Christ's holiness, his righteousness, and God looks on us then as saints. And we're given then also a new nature that wants to live in a relationship with God and to follow his ways but we are also still sinners. And we still have that old nature that is still in rebellion against God. And, and the devil, the world, and our sinful nature then all would like to cause us to forget what God has said. And they are out to deceive us and to distract us and to cause us to lose that motivation and to live in a relationship with God. 
And that's the case today as it was even for the children of Israel back in Deuteronomy. And so thus, the daily reminders and the historical markers we talk about today. First of all, then, daily reminders. Are any of you like me, you use post-it notes? Um, I tend to use at least a couple of them a day or some other scraps of paper to help me to remember some things that I need to know for that day or the days ahead. And, and uh, they're handy for that. They're reminders. Well, through Moses, God recommended to the children of Israel to do some things as daily reminders of what he told them in his word. What should they do? Well, according to the Ten Commandments and in other instructions from God's word, then what Moses says here to the people of Israel is, first of all, do this with them. Impress them. Impress them on your heart. Place God's word firmly in your heart, in your own heart and life. Uh, fix them there so that they make an impression that is not easily let go of. Let them make an imprint there. I think like a, like a footprint in wet cement. It dries there permanently as a reminder. If, if the Word of God makes such an impression on us, then we will seek to live according to it and we will not be able to help letting other people as well know what is on our heart. So he says, impress them. He also says, bind them. Uh, you, you've heard of the concept of tying a string around your finger to help you remember something. I don't know if anybody ever did that or if that was just something that got, you know, something that people said. But uh, verse 18 here says, bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be as frontals on your forehead. And it was really based at, on verses like this that some of the Jews uh, were, were known to take this very literally and um, they would actually then fasten phylacteries, which were little boxes that had these verses inside of them. They'd fasten them on their wrists or with a headband, fasten them to their forehead. And they seemed to miss the point in the process, and they prided themselves in looking really outwardly religious without really truly knowing and loving God, which was the purpose that God said this. I think a more effective way of following this business of binding God's word to us today might be for then each of us to daily read his word. Read a portion of the Bible. Think, think about it. Take time for daily devotions in some form. And, and such a practice then serves as a daily reminder of who God is and what he's like and what he's done for us. Here at Maranatha, we, we've uh, for years offered this, uh, our daily bread devotional guide. And there are some of these, if you haven't seen them before, they're out in the entry. You can pick them up. That's just one source or one, one uh, tool to help in, in having a daily devotional pattern. Or last uh, fall, um, our Board of Ed here um, purchased some of these for families. They're little uh, devotional dippers, they're called. And they just have a little, little stick in there with a verse on for the day and a question or, uh, to discuss with your family. And I don't know how many have used that, but maybe you need to find them or something else that would help you, but just a way of encouraging us to remember daily yeah, God and what he said. There are all kinds of resources out there to do such a thing, but God's word tells us that we are to impress God's word on our hearts, bind them to us, and then teach them, teach them to our children. Talking to them, he says, when you sit in your house or when you walk along the road, or when you lie down, 
or when you rise up. That, that is really then just as you're going through those natural daily things that families do together, sitting together at home around a meal or traveling to activities together or wrapping up the day together or, or getting up in the morning together. Use those natural together times to talk about the Lord God and who he is and what he's like and what he's done for us. And you see, daily mentioning God and his word in some way will then have an impact. It, it will impress him on the hearts of our children as well. And then he also says, post them. Now, not necessarily with post-it notes, so that can work if you want to use lots of those. But Moses says here, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And, and again, we, we are not necessarily to literally write them above our door. I, I don't know if we even know what a doorpost is, or, or we don't have gates in our houses. But the concept is important here. In some way, posting in our homes some reminders of God, some verses or statements or pictures um, reminding us of what we believe. Because, you see, what we look at each day does make an unshakable impact or impression on our hearts and our minds. And so Moses is saying to the people of Israel here as they're preparing to go into the promised land about God's words and impress them, bind them, talk of them, post them. Why? Well, to help us remember something. Remember what? Remember that list of rules? Well, yes, that is true, but much more than that. Remember the reason behind the rules. See, God gave us his commandments, and, and we tend to turn them into just this list of rules that are maybe even stricter than we like. But there is reason for rules. Just as, for instance, uh, there is a reason that we have this rule to drive on the right side of the road. It's because we're hoping that everybody will do that. Because if they don't, then there's going to be accidents, and people are going to get hurt. Well, God's rules in the Ten Commandments are summed up by Jesus in, in this. He says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And those commandments then are given to us to help us in our relationship with God. And also to protect us from other people and, and to protect other people from us. Um, we, we see this relational aspect spelled out more in verse 22 here, where he's saying, for if you are careful to keep all these commandments, which I'm commanding you today, and then he expels it all here, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways and hold fast to him. You see, when we do not seek to keep God's commandments, that's an indicator of something. It's an indicator that we don't really love God or that we love other things more than we love God. And the first commandment is simply this, thou shalt have no other gods before me. In the Catechism, it explains it this way. That means that we should then fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And God knows that something is going to occupy that supreme place in our hearts. We will fear, love, and trust in someone or something. And if that someone or something is other than him, then we are setting ourselves up for major hurts and disappointments in life and eternity. And so in love, then, he invites us to love him. And in 1 John chapter 4, it tells us why we love him. We, we love him because he first loved us. And the New Testament gives us this picture of just how much God loves us. He loved us enough so that he would send 
his only begotten son to take on himself then the guilt and consequences of our sin said whosoever believes in him in Jesus Christ and would not perish but would have eternal life and, and then and through Jesus and his love for us sin we are drawn back into a living relationship with God the Father a relationship where we want to then walk in his ways and hold fast to him and, and that really is a picture then of of our finding our security in him as we deal with the challenges of life hanging tightly to him in, in times of crisis and so on well in the next verses here I see some additional benefits to this relationship with God for the Israelites at, at the brink of entering the promised land there um, he told them that if they would do so then he would multiply their days there in the promised land he would defeat their enemies and <clears throat> there's listing some of the enemies that they would um, defeat uh, Lord was going to drive them out for them and then also they would have an expanded inheritance and he spells out in this passage here then where that would be it would cover from the river Euphrates to the Mediterranean Sea you see that on the map there physical blessing awaited God's people if they would live in a relationship with him however as they were given those blessings so easily they would begin to drift away from that relationship with God and forget who he was what he was like and what he'd done for them in the past and God knew all of that and so before he sent them into the promised land it's interesting here he gave Moses some instructions for some historical markers as well and uh, this map here spells out here the different so the 12 tribes settled in all of that area there and, and it lists the different tribes in the areas that they had but you notice running between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea there is this Jordan River most of the promised land was on the on the other side on the western side of that and they had to cross the Jordan in order to enter that area <clears throat> one of those historical markers isn't mentioned in this text um, but it was erected just after they crossed that Jordan River into the promised land of Canaan you see the Jordan River was deep and, and had been flowing so mightily that the Israelites wouldn't be able to cross safely to the Canaan side and so like at the Red Sea God gave instructions to Moses and when the the feet of the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant touched the water's edge God made that Jordan River wall up and all of the people crossed safely to the other side and after they had all gotten across and so on then God told Joshua to find 12 large stones one for each of the 12 tribes and pile them up together as a memorial at that place and so they did that and God told Joshua this let this be a sign among you so when your children ask later saying what do those stones mean to you then you shall say to them because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when they crossed the Jordan so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever historical markers to remind the people of their relationship with God and what he'd done for them today's text mentions another you might say more noticeable example than the pile of rocks and that, and that was two mountains um, just a, a little ways inland from the Jordan River uh, west toward the sunset then um, permanent reminders to God's people two mountains called Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal and you can see them there kind of toward the, the center of the 
picture. These two mountains were in a central area of the promised land. And there was a main roadway that would go right between the two. And they were then to be, these mountains were permanent reminders to the people of God whenever they traveled through. Uh, reminders of God's blessing or of his curse. And if you read on in, in Deuteronomy in chapters 27 and 28, there it, it explains this a whole lot more and how Joshua then gathered all of the Israel together between those two mountains. And uh, he, he had then six of the tribes um, go partway up the mountain on one side to Gilgal, and the other six go up partly on the mountain of, e um, <clears throat> of Ebal. And uh, those that stood then on, on the Gerizim side were, were to stand there um, as the Israelites shouted a blessing. And that blessing was this. It tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I'm commanding you today, that the Lord your God will put you high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings will come to you and, and reach you if you will obey the Lord your God. Blessed will you be in the city. Blessed will you be in the country. Blessed will, you be, will be the children of your womb and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your animals and the newborn of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed will you be when you come in. Blessed will you be when you go out. And he goes on in chapter 28 to then say how all of their enemies would rise up and they would be defeated before them. And all of the earth would see then that they were the ones who were called by the name of the Lord and they would give glory to God. As the other six tribes stood on Mount Ebal, um, the Levites were to shout to them a curse. It shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God and be careful to follow all his commandments and statutes which I'm commanding you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed will you be in the city, cursed will you be in the country, cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl, cursed will be your the children of your womb and the produce of your ground and the newborn of your herd and the offspring of your flock. Cursed will you be when you come in. Cursed will you be when you go out. And it goes on in chapter 27, a long list to describe all kinds of diseases of the body and diseases of the mind and various ways that the enemy would oppress them and plunder them. And it says that they would become a horror and a byword to other nations. And they would also encounter crop and livestock and economic failure the absolute opposite of the blessing of God. Two mountains that could be seen from far around that would be constant reminders to them. Which do I want in my life? The blessing or the curse of God? Some of my commentaries tell me that to this day there, there's a difference between these two mountains as well and that and it's, you don't really see it, a lot of that on the picture there but uh, Mount Ebal, they say, is steep and barren and unproductive still today. And Mount Gerizim is, is terraced with gardens and orchards growing on the side of it. Reminder as you go between them. Two mountains, God's historical markers commemorating that day when the people of Israel assembled there in the promised land between those two mountains and they heard and they accepted God's covenant with them. The blessing and the curse. Which one do you want? Then live accordingly. Now, I don't know about you, but I have some historical markers in, in my life. 
And I live just a couple hours from my home area. I go back there every once in a while. Um, I sometimes drive by the, the church there on, on Main Street and re brings back all kinds of memories. Or I go out to the cemetery on the hill overlooking the Cheyenne River where the first church was built. And, and there on, on the hill, I see tombstones, a lot of them with my last name on. And I'm reminded of three generations before me who, who lived in relationship with God and experienced his blessing there. And I see names of some of my Sunday school teachers as well, and it reminds me of what I learned from them as I observed them live their lives. I go to Minneapolis this week um, to that campus there on Medicine Lake, and, and I remember my time there. Five years uh, spent there studying God's Word and, and learning from people. Many of them are now gone. Some of them are still there. And you know, as I think about those things, uh, none of those people I'm talking about were perfect. They were all quite human. They all failed to love God above all things. They all failed to love their neighbors as themselves all the time. But they did listen to God's word. And they lived in a relationship with him. And they did seek to then live in daily repentance and faith, humbly trusting in the promises of God's word of forgiveness of sin in Jesus Christ. You see, they were saints and sinners simultaneously. And their lives are encouragements to me to, to live out my life, listening to God's word and looking to Jesus each day. God gives each of us some daily reminders and some historical markers. And yours might be quite different from mine. Will we listen to God's word and let it point us regularly to a relationship with God, remind us of how awesome he is and of his saving actions on our behalf so that we live in that daily relationship with him and so that we don't allow Satan to deceive us and distract us so that we turn away from him. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you today for your word and thank you that built into our lives can be those daily reminders. We need them, Lord. You know that. And so help us that, that we would take the time and that we would, we would have those things that are posted in front of us in some way, that we would uh, talk about you in our families and with people we know. And, and Lord, we would be reminded daily of who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, too, that there are those historical markers in each of our lives, those, those vivid memories from, from history. And for many of us who have that to be thankful for, Lord, that, that there were godly examples before us, we thank you for them. And for those places that remind us of those things as well, Lord. And if there be those that, that don't have that in their history, Lord, we, we thank you that even today you have brought them um, to place where they hear your word and, and are pointed to the difference that you make. And, and we see then, Lord, what you tell us here in your word of the, of the blessing and the curse. And, and we're reminded, Lord, that if we will listen to you, uh, you will bless us in many ways in, our, in this life and for all eternity. And if we refuse and if we turn away from you, Lord, if we get distracted and, and deceived into following the ways of the world, then, Lord, we will also be bringing judgment upon ourselves. And, and there will be things that happen in our lives uh, that you use at times even to draw us back to you.
Lord, we thank you for that too. But we pray that you'd help us, Lord, that we would each live in daily repentance and faith. And Lord, we pray for our families, that you would help us, that, that we would remind each other uh, of you and all that you've done for us. And, and Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray, Lord, that, that our nation would recognize the blessing and the curse, that there would be a, a willingness, Lord, to turn our hearts uh, back to you, Lord. There are so many who want nothing to do with you or your word, who will even scoff at it, Lord. But we pray that you would help us, that we would live our lives as an example of the difference that you make, and, and that would point others to you as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.